0: Pastor Phil said earlier, uh, my name's Daniel, I'm one of the pastors here, we're honored that you would join us this morning, Uh, and if you're a first-time guest, we just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, There's a lot of uh, great churches in our area, there are a lot of places to get connected, and the fact that you're here this morning, uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, for those of you that don't know, we are uh, doing a series called A Chapter a Day, Uh, and the Chapter a Day is not... It's not really just a series for us. It's, it's actually more of like a culture shift and a, and a lifestyle. Uh, we believe that as you spend more and more time grounded in the Word of God, and as you spend time in communion with God and allow Him to speak truth into your life, that that's going to change your life in all facets. And, and so we commit as a church, uh, as a leadership team and as staff, uh, to just read a chapter a day. And, and sometimes they're long chapters. We haven't hit Psalms 119 yet. That'll be a fun one. Uh, but it's it is an opportunity for us just to stay connected, to be in the Scripture together. And uh, and so, join us if you're if you're just kind of coming on board here. We're in First uh, Timothy chapter five. Uh, and so you know start there today. And uh, so this morning, uh, I want to kind of focus. On the book, the whole book of first Timothy it's going to end tomorrow. it ends in chapter six. but I just want to kind of take uh, the whole the book as a whole and really dive into what Paul is trying to communicate here to Timothy so just so you know a little bit of backstory uh, Paul and Timothy had like a father son type of relationship there was uh he Paul was Timothy's spiritual mentor. They went on missions trip to get mission mission trips together. And Timothy, right now, when Paul is writing this letter, he's actually the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so Paul is writing to him, and he's encouraging him as a father would a son. And just like Pastor Phil did a couple weeks ago when we were going through Philippians, he talked about your last letter. If you had an opportunity to write something to someone that would convey what matters most, what is so important for them to pass on, a legacy as it was, Um, then what would that be? And for Paul, this is another one of those letters, because this is probably one of his last three letters that he wrote. Uh, We think that it's 1 Timothy, Titus, and then 2 Timothy, uh, right around the time when he was martyred. Uh, So this is Paul conveying of utmost importance to what would be his spiritual son, uh, what is important, what matters, what to be on guard, what to look out for. And so I want us to kind of use that as our context as we're we're looking in 1 Timothy. And there are some areas where Paul is giving like specific application because Timothy's a pastor uh, for the church. How to worship, uh, how to build up leaders and different things like that. And those are really great applications. But I want to focus on what Paul is trying to convey to Timothy as a person. Like, son, here is what matters most. Here is what I want you to convey to others. Here is what I want you to pass down. Here is what I want you to be on guard about. And what we see throughout the whole book is that Paul is constantly warning Timothy and have to be on guard against false teaching. Now, that's not something that we usually think about when it comes to the last words that we're going to give to somebody. But he does it countless times in the Scripture uh, here are some examples. First uh, Timothy 1, 5 through 6. It says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and have spent their time in meaningless discussions. First 1 Timothy 1:18 1, and 19. Timothy, my son. Here is my instruction to you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you, about you earlier, may, you, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling, cling to your faith in Christ. Keep a clear conscience. For there's people who have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. It goes on to say the same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And then I want to jump ahead to 1 Timothy 6. So this will be your reading for tomorrow. Uh, Verse 3. It says that some people may conduct or contradict our teaching, uh, but these are wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicion. These people are always causing trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Paul's not mincing words here. Like, he's laying it out when it comes to these people. And and I think that when I think of false teachers, sometimes it's, it's easy for me to focus on like a specific person. Like I think, okay, that person is a false teacher. That person is saying something that's contrary to the truth. But for the sake of our time here, I, I want to just talk about the influence of false teaching. That it's not necessarily just a person, so that we can kind of focus in on that. But the influences of false teaching come from all different directions. We see it in our society. We see it in our culture. We see it in our political landscape. Honestly, we can even find it in, from the desires of our own heart. Our own heart can, can lead us astray, can, can give us advice, can tell us that something is true when it actually is a lie. And so Paul has gone to, to great lengths to communicate this to Timothy and This morning, I want us to pause and and reflect on that. I want us to stop and think of uh, the impact that not only false teaching, but what we base truth on for our lives. Because that's really what false teaching is all about. False teaching wants to say, all right, I'm going to convince you to believe something. And once you believe this, you're going to build your life around it. You're going to let it dictate your actions. You're going to let it control you because this is truth. So this area of truth actually becomes more of like a filter. I've got a cool little prop here. It's an air filter, just so you guys know. So it's a filter. It's a filter in which you, every circumstance, every situation, everything you face goes through this filter. And outside of the filter come your thoughts, your perceptions, your actions, your choices, your destiny. So what this is matters of the utmost importance. What we are basing our truth on matters. To give you kind of a a fun illustration, I have two older siblings. Uh, I have an oldest brother and then an older sister. And uh, when we were growing up, we trusted my older brother for his wisdom and understanding about all things life. And uh, so my sister used to suck her thumb, and I would suck my two fingers. I don't know why. That's just the way it was. And uh, in order to help us curb these issues or habits, uh, my brother uh, gave us a bit of knowledge or a bit of truth for us to live our lives by. So he told my sister when she got a retainer that as soon as she stuck her thumb in her mouth, it would chop off her thumb. <laughs> that 's great thanks thanks johnny and uh, and so so she was in fear. she just lived in fear that if anything she stuck in her mouth, there was going to be this like guillotine like razor that would come and just chop it right off uh, so i didn 't have a retainer, and so my brother couldn 't use that strategy on me, so instead, this is when we lived in California, we were actually on a trip to San Francisco when we were visiting Alcatraz and learning all about the prison. Uh, Well, my older brother Johnny conveyed to me that if they saw me sucking my two fingers, they would throw me in Alcatraz and I would never get out. (laughs) He was a good big brother. So I lived in fear. I'm constantly looking over my shoulders like, you know, like I'm getting ready to, oh no, I can't do that, I'm gonna go in prison forever. And then I, so we, of course, totally ruins the vacation and then I come home and thinking I'm home free, and little do I know that my brother has the Alcatraz number on speed dial. And so as soon as I start to put my two fingers in my mouth, he's like, I'm calling Alcatraz right now. They're going to come pick you up, and they're going to take you to prison. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a childhood I grew up in. It explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so anyways, that was, for us, though, truth. We believed him, and we lived our lives based on that. You see that filter of, hey, your finger's going to get chopped off because of your retainer was right here, and so all of our actions, everything that we had, we couldn't stick our finger, my sister couldn't stick her thumb in her mouth because this would be the end result. And so we lived our life based on that idea. And so I want us to just kind of maybe... Sit down and have a conversation about that. And take time to just reflect. Reflect on what your filter is for your life. What's the thing that you're processing all of your situations through? What's the truth? What is the foundation for how you process your emotions, your pain, your situations, your relationships, your purpose, what are you filtering those through? And who is influencing you in those decisions? You see this is this conflict for over what our filter is or truth is as old as time. In the garden of Eden, Satan was trying to convince even Adam about the truth of God. He was saying that God, and I'll use this. This is what this will be my dirty filter. He was saying that God can't be trusted. God's actually holding out on you. You see, he said all the all this garden is for your enjoyment, but you know what? He's holding out on you because that one tree that he said no to. That tree is going to make you like him. You're going to be like a God. And that shifted their perspective. They looked at the fruit differently, it was something that would give them what they wanted. And so they took it and they exchanged the truth that God gave them for a lie. You know, Romans 1 uh, I think it's 25 or 26, it's up there. 25, and it says, but they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. They exchanged truth for a lie. So, so this morning, I want to talk to you about this. Because I think a lot of times we can look at what God has has told us, we can read scripture, and we can think it's just really arbitrary. We can think that God is just kind of putting things in our path to almost be like watch us scurry and spin about. And what God is actually wanting to do, and what he did, and he proved by sending Jesus to die on the cross to set us free, is that he loves us. And that He wants so much for us. He wants the best for us. He wants to give us life abundantly. Everything that He was that is given Christ in glory and honor, He's actually now given to us for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we we need to figure out and discern for ourselves what we're filtering our lives through. And I think it really boils down to this: Can I trust God? Can you trust God? Has he shown that he's trustworthy? Do you think that he has your best interest at heart? So this morning, I want to look at a couple areas that (laughs) that are, are conflict areas of truth, especially in our culture and in our time. Uh, And since this morning, I was kind of channeling my uh, inner Baptist pastor. They all start with P. So I'm pretty proud and prideful about my professional preparation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I worked hard on that too. Uh, So three areas that I want us to focus on where we see a lot of this conflict over truth. First area is pain. Pain. How? is pain going through your filter. What are you, how are you responding to pain? And you know what's interesting is once we go through this filter, whether it's the word of God or whether it's man's wisdom, we end up coming to three different conclusions and answer three different questions. Who is God? Meaning, what's his character? Can, I be, can, I, can he be trusted? Who am I? And how do I relate to other people? Those three things that as we process different things, different circumstances, relationships, pain, whatever it may be, when we process it, we are gonna see what it looks like on the other end by how we respond to God, how we respond to ourselves, and how we respond to others. So pain. Pain is like the high stakes of trusting God. When pain comes in, it's all on the line because we really have to figure out God, are you for me or are you against me? God, do you really care? Do you really love me? Do you have my best interest at heart? Do you really, are good and perfect gifts, do they really all come from you? Jeremiah 29 11. Do you really have a plan and purpose for my life? I don't see it. This is my pain, and through that, through that pain, we begin to make accusations to God. You know, I actually don't watch this show, um, but it was on TV, and um, it's uh, it's Grey's Anatomy, and they had this episode. I guess it was the last week or the week before where they were talking about this very subject of, can we really trust God? Is is he really have our best interest at heart? And you had all of these people that came into the hospital that were professed Christians, and it literally turned terrible for every single one of them. They all died. And one person lived, but he was so, his conscience was so wrecked, he didn't even know what was truth and what wasn't. He knew, he had he basically was, his advice that was given to him was, Read the word, but use human reasoning because that's really where it makes sense. So he walked away with a muddied perspective of what truth actually is. And the, there's a doctor that's, that's supposed to be a Christian as well on that show, and she walked away really questioning God. Who's like, is, and she used the story of Job, and many of you guys know it, and so she was saying, is God just gambling with us? Are him and Satan just having this fun little bet going back and forth to see who's going to make it through all this suffering and pain that's going on in their situation? Does he really even care? And it wasn't like I was upset at the show. It's not a Christian show, so I'm not really, you know, concerned about it. But what were they trying to convey? They were trying to convince me of who God was. You see, that was an opportunity for me to exchange the truth about God for a lie that was the opportunity for me to really wrestle with in my present situation does God really care and you think about that if that changes or if we start having this broken perspective of God then we're going to start viewing ourselves differently God you didn't come through here you know what so that makes me the agent of justice now I've got to make sure that justice comes through because you're not doing it. You're not promising you're not going to come through Then I'm going to have to do this. And you know what that spills over into? Our relationships with other people. We start harboring bitterness and unforgiveness because we are not sure that God is actually going to come through and enact perfect justice. Has he just abandoned us? Has he just let us go? So pain is high stakes. Pain can be an opportunity where we can maybe grow up with a vision of God, grow up with an idea of God, and then all of a sudden our circumstances just change and we begin to live our life in a totally different way. You know, it says in, um, it says in Romans eight thirty one through 34, I love this scripture. But Paul, he, he tries to switch it for us. He says, what shall we say to such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Think about this. Since, since God didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I don't know your situation But pull yourself out of that for just a second and see everything that God did because of his great love for you. Everything he did. Jesus abandoned everything just to give you the opportunity to accept him, not to force himself on you, but to say, hey, I'm available. I love you. Receive my love. Who dares accuse whom God has chosen for his own? No one. Do not allow guilt. Do not allow the pain of your situation to determine that you are shameful, guilty, or condemned. That doesn't belong to us anymore because of Christ. But also, despite what people have done to you, the betrayal can go so deep. Forgive others forgive others but if I do that they're going to get out scot-free I can't forgive them don't you realize what they've done to me I don't know I don't know your story but we're to forgive others not because they deserve it but because Christ has forgiven us and you know what happens when we do that we take off the gavel and the gown and we are no longer the judge we don't have to bear that burden anymore. We don't have to enact perfect justice. We don't have to constantly hope that trouble and calamity falls on the person that hurt us. That's up to God now. We're free from that. So, and I didn't give you guys a warning for this. The next thing I want to talk about is pleasure. And, yeah, we're, we're probably, we're going to talk about uh, S-E-X. So, uh, If there's some children that you don't want to hear that, uh, I want to go ahead and give you a fair warning. Uh, It's not going to be explicit, but just a heads up, you can fake a bathroom break if you need to. Go back to eKids. we got awesome volunteers back there that will love to take care of your kids. But the other place that we see it, a lot of conflict is pleasure. And honestly, guys, this is my story because I had this conflict in high school. And this is why I love... That our youth has Jacob. He's a good dude. And he is teaching truth. And I love that. And so, because I needed a Jacob in high school. Love you, bro. Anyways, that's really bromance <laughs> happening right there. All foggy. Um, so, but in high school, I had this conflict over truth. And it really was, I see everything that God's telling me to do and there's things that I really want to do. And I don't think that God's, I'm going to be happy if I follow God. Like I'm not going to be really happy if I follow everything that, that he says about me. I, I actually need to take that on my own. I need to own my own happiness and, and especially if it was instant gratification. If it was instant gratification, then I definitely would pursue it because all that mattered was my happiness. And you may be in that conflict this morning and honestly, our culture says that. Do what feels good. Do what makes you happy. Consequences will work themselves out. But what matters right now is the here and now. So live it up. Enjoy your life. And we see this so much in sex. Sex outside and before marriage is explicitly against God's design for marriage. God's design for sex. And you may think, gosh, this guy's a buzzkill. Like, and (laughs) all right, that's fine, I'll own it. But (laughs) here's a little secret. God invented sex. He did. Like, imagine when God is putting everything together and God's thought was like, oh, angels. See this? See what I'm about to make here? This is going to be awesome. They are going to really, really like this. And it is going to be a lot of fun. You're not going to know anything about it, but it's really, really cool. (laughs) God invented it. He invented it for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. Sex is a good thing. But... But when we take it out of God's original design, when we say, I'm just going to do it because it makes me happy, it makes me feel good, because sex is not only about pleasure. What sex does is it, it is one of the most powerful connective tools that we have for relationships. It is what binds a man and a woman together. In marriage, it makes them one. And you know what's interesting is that, and this is scientific studies, this is not Christian studies, is that when we have sex with multiple partners, that we actually disable ourselves. We we hurt ourselves to the point that we can't attach to other people. We can't actually have, we we fail to give ourselves the opportunity to sometimes have meaningful, significant relationships because what we've done is we've taken what's intended for one person and one person only and we've passed it on and given pieces of ourselves to other people. It's like a piece of tape. If I put a piece of tape on my skin and I pull it off, it's going to hurt, but you know it's still going to have some adhesive power, right? Well, say I pass it on and do it to Pastor Phil and pull it off, and then I do it to Jim and I do it to... Uh, Brian, and it's weird that I'm choosing guys for this, but, <laughs> yeah, Jacob, exactly. <laughs> so, gosh, <laughs> you guys are going to miss the point. Anyways, so after, I, after you keep doing this, what happens is that tape loses its power to adhere it no longer has the ability to do this, and you know what else is true about this is that is the same thing with pornography. Pornography does the exact same thing. It will train your mind to the point where you don't have the ability to connect in, inf- in intimate and meaningful relationships. It will destroy your mind. And this is pretty cool, but Paul. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 already knew this without the science to back it up. He says, Run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a high price. So honor God with your body. Paul's saying here that sexual sin actually damages you. And science and research is now proving that exact same thing. So what seems to be and what culture says, no, do what you want to do, do what feels good, do what makes you free, it's, it's actually a trap. And it's chains. What about emotional affairs? What about... Catching up with an old high school friend on Facebook, you know they they understand me. It's you know they they get me finally. You know my spouse doesn't get me at all, but but they get me. And God wants me to be happy. So you know I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna pursue this because hey Matt, it, it this is what God really would want for me. And we exchange the truth for a lie. You know that there is. Uh, Proverbs is a book from Solomon wrote to his son and he was talking about the wayward woman and the adulterous woman but that doesn't necessarily have to apply for our context. We can say the wayward man that they entice us and they draw us in with promises, with sweet lips, with uh, things that we feel like we're lacking but their bed, their body is like an open grave. It will swallow you whole. But if we don't have the right filter on, then pleasure is going to be the thing that's going to matter most. And we'll leave a wake of brokenness, of relationship brokenness, of personal brokenness, of regret. And I can stand and testify and say, yes, this does not work. Last one I wanted to talk about this morning is, is purpose. So we've talked about pain. We've talked about pleasure. We've talked about, and I want to talk about purpose. And when I think about when I think about purpose, I don't want us to necessarily uh, focus just on like in like end of my life thing. I want us to think about like identity. I want us to think about um, affirmation, validation of us as people. Why are you here? What about you matters? And if you're answering that question, maybe you're putting a laundry list of things kind of in your mind that this is what matters, this is what matters, this is what makes me significant, this is the thing that I'm hoping that I'm going to find affirmation in. And if you're hoping to find that in career success or relationships or even family, you're going to live your life Focused and fixated and pulling everything through that filter of trying to get that affirmation through your kids you know what's going to happen you're going to crush your kids under the weight of your expectations because your heart your kids were not made to handle the the validation of your heart your spouse is not made to handle the worth and the validation of your heart your job can't do that. You know it can be here. That it can be here tomorrow and gone the next. Why place so much of our purpose in that? N- another one I wanted to talk about is 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 affirmation from people. We can play so much on what people say about us. I read an article uh, this week just about social media and, and the effect that it will have on people. And what can be a a small conversation blows up into a, a huge feud or a big deal. And I think for you guys, you need to understand that what people say about you will not determine your worth. Because Jesus says you are everything. Think about this. What, whatever shows the value of a person is what the other person is willing to give up for them. Jesus created everything. He has the praise of angels. He has the power of everything in him. He gave up all of that for you guys, for us. You know what's interesting? Is that people will try to tell you who you are and try to tell your value. They'll try to label you. But who has the right to label you? I say there's three ways that people have the right to label you. If they own you, you can label it. If you own a backpack, you can label it. If you made it, you can label it. You can put your logo on it. If you bought it, you can label it. None of your peers can say that about you. They didn't make you, they don't own you, they didn't buy you, they didn't purchase you. And that goes for everybody. Don't let your validation be found in that. The filter of people pleasing, you will become a person you don't even recognize because you're just trying to please A mob. Be the one that Jesus created you to be. So where does this fall for you guys? Where are you getting your truth? You know, we we do the chapter a day here and it's, it's not for... Um, it, it's not so we can get Christian brownie points. We do the chapter a day so that we can exchange the truth for what we've believed is a lie. So where, where is this hitting you? Where do you feel like your purpose is? What has pain done to you? Has it robbed you of relationships? Has it distorted your view of yourself and of God? What is the pursuit for pleasure? Do you trust God with that? You know, Psalms 37, uh, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Guys, that's either truth or that's a lie. And you have to, define it. You have to decide if it is. So if the band will come up, I'll go ahead and, and close this out. But I w- this is so important because everything that you experience will go through this filter. Everything that you feel, every pain, every pleasure, every uh, purpose, everyone that's saying something against you is going to go through this filter. So how do you know if you've got a good filter. The best way to discover that is see what comes out. Matthew 7, 17 through 20 says, A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit just so you can identify people by their actions. What's your fruit? Are you wrecked with unforgiveness and bitterness? You think, I just can't forgive that person. Okay. Okay. This is what you got. Are you thinking, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can really trust God. I'm going to just do my own thing. I, they say, hey, you should test drive it before you buy it, right? Okay. If only they would like me, then I would really know I'm worth it. If only I could be in this relationship then I'll know if only my kids will have this success, then I will know I'm worth it. You see, God came to give us life and life abundantly, but also he said that he's come so that we will know the truth and that the truth will set us free. So when it comes to Pain, we have hope. God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. God bottles every single one of your tears. He is never leaving you, nor has He forsaken you. He has a plan and a purpose. God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. And I know sometimes it's hard to hear when you're in pain, and that's okay, but work with it. Allow it to soak in, allow it to rest. You know, God's universe is upside down when it comes to relationships. You really want to be happy? Lose your life for your loved ones. Serve, love unconditionally. Pour out forgiveness, love, joy, and peace into your family, into your spouse, into your kids. They may not deserve it, but that's okay because you're doing it for Jesus anyways because he deserves it. And he's going to work out all that stuff. So let go of it. Let go of bitterness. Let go of unforgiveness. Walk in the newness of life. You're free from that. You see, God didn't just save us so that we could go to heaven. That's part of it. But he called us to something greater. He called us to be ambassadors of hope, to be the light in the darkness, to be the voice of God saying, come back to me, to be the example of that. So the best way that you can tell that you love Jesus and follow him is how you treat other people. How are you loving people? Not only people that can reciprocate, but people that can't. What are, you, what, are, what are some of the barriers that are preventing you from being in relationship or showing love to people? There's a scandalous thing, and I wasn't, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but there's a scandalous thing that Paul did, but I think it's applicable now, where he said that he would become anything to help people know Jesus. So to the Jew, I would become the Jew To the one under the law, I would become like one under the law, even though I'm not actually under the law. To the Greek, I would become the Greek. To the barbarian, to the uncivilized, I would become like them just so I could tell them about Jesus. Are there any barriers that are preventing you from being in relationship with people to tell them about Jesus? Here's something scandalous. If you're a Republican, would you become a Democrat to win a Democrat to Jesus? If you're a Democrat, would you become a Republican to win a Republican for Jesus? Guys, where does our allegiance lie when it comes to that? To one that is poor and impoverished, the one that is addicted, would you become humble enough to love them, to maybe win them to Jesus? Because that's the purpose that counts and that's the purpose that matters. So what's what's the fruit? Where's your filter? Have you exchanged the truth about God for a lie, hoping to get something out of it that you feel like you're not getting? I would encourage you to take time and to learn from what God has to say about you through the scriptures. Let's pray. God, I just, um, (laughs) forgive me because... This has been my story, and this is still a struggle that I have. I struggle to trust you. And God, may us as a church, may we trust you with the things that matter most with our whole lives. You see, God, if we have half faith, if we have some faith in some areas, but we don't trust you in other areas, it says that we're unstable in everything we do, and maybe we feel like that. Maybe we feel like we're so unstable right now because we're stuck between two different filters and we can't process what's actually going on. So God, help us to remove the filter that's not you and trust you with the rest. Maybe for you this morning, you just need to lay that filter down. You can come down here and receive prayer. Pastor Phil and myself will be down here and we will pray for you. But if that's you, just lay it down. Cast it at Jesus' feet. He loves you. He did so much for you. He is trustworthy. So Lord, may we be a people that bears good fruit because we see what you've called us to be. We understand that we are drawn into deeper waters of your love and grace and that your plan and purpose for our lives far outweighs anything we could comprehend on our own power and ability. God, the calling right here is to yourself and so I pray that if anybody here doesn't even know Jesus yet, please come see me and Pastor Phil, one of the elders. We want to introduce you to the greatest man of all time, the Savior of the universe, the one that breaks every chain, the one that sets everyone free, the one that loves unconditionally, that loves so recklessly that he abandoned everything that he could possibly call of worth, for us because he loves us. He loves you. Allow that to change us, God. Help us in our unbelief. It's in your name we pray. Amen.